Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Thank you so much for listening to The Sword and the Trowel. And thank you especially to those who are part of the FAM, our Founders Alliance members, those who have joined us and are laboring alongside of us. We are very grateful for your support, your help, and encouragement. Uh, if you want to know what it means to become a Founders Alliance member or even a Founders Alliance church, go to founders.org and you will find information there about what it means to do so. We would be happy to have you invest in this ministry, in the ministry of Founders. We've been going for 36 years and uh, the things we've been able to do have been because God has raised up people who stand with us and are willing and able to help. Uh, us 36 years. Things. 36 years. That's a long time. How old are you? I was negative two <laughs> when we started. So you you are standing I, on the shoulders of other people. I did a lot of wonderful things for founders when I was negative two. <laughs> I did less harm when I was negative two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have um, we have an event coming up. We do. A founders event, a founders seminar at the Southern Baptist Convention. The, the day before the, the convention. The day before the convention, Monday, June 10th. Our seminar is called Mature Manhood in an Immature Age. In Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. So if you're if you're coming to the convention, come a day early, arrive, probably going to need to arrive Sunday night, and join us. We're going to start at 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday the 10th, and it's probably going to run all the way through to the evening sometime. Yeah, we'll take a break for lunch, and it's at the Weston uh, Hotel in Birmingham. It's one of the convention hotels for the Southern Baptist Convention. So a lot of good speakers. Yeah. Owen Strain from uh, Midwestern, Midwestern. Mm-hmm. and Dr. Mark Coppinger from Southern Seminary. You're Tom going Nettles. to be speaking, and yeah. Tom Nettles will be speaking, among others. David Miller. David Miller, the country preacher from Arkansas, he will be he will be there <laughs> as well. Country preacher at large is yeah. how he describes himself. There he is. Um, and then you you actually have a debate. <sighs> Can you believe this at this event? No, I don't. I'm just practicing right now. That's all. So, <laughs> so this, you didn't initiate this, but I did not. Mike McKissick <laughs> did initiate this. He reached out to you and said he'd like to debate you because of this this program. Because this program already got us in trouble. That's right. And we um, were just doing our thing, talking about uh, Beth Moore and others who are advocating women preachers, and mm-hmm. Dwight advocated that, and I just happened to mention it. So he comes at me on Twitter and says, hey, you know, Tom, since you mentioned me and called me out, said, I'm sure you'd be willing to pay for half of a room for us to debate this issue in Birmingham at the Southern Baptist Convention. There you go. And one of the things, I mean, Dwight and I have known each other for years. Uh, he reminded me of some of our interactions years ago when we talked on the phone. And so, I mean, he's a brother, a friend. I like him. He's funny and a good guy in so many ways, doing wonderful work. And I'm, I'm appreciative of him, his life and ministry. And so this is not acrimonious at all. But one of the things he said to me is that he appreciated the fact that I quoted him accurately in our program, which we always want to do. We don't want to take cheap shots. We yeah. want to describe the views of those we disagree with in such a way that they would say just what Dwight said. Well, thank you for representing my views well. So the problem is I think his views are wrong, and he thinks my views are wrong. And thus to the debate. So yeah. the, the topic's going to be should women preach – in Lord's Day worship services. Yeah, that's right. So, boy, I think this is going to be a great opportunity to bring light to this question. Uh, we want you to be there. So you can register for this, founders.org. Mm-hmm. Go there, check out our events page, go to Mature Manhood and Immature Age, and go ahead and get registered. Now, space is very limited. Yes. So you need to sign up quick. 
Um, it's all live. We would love to see you June 10th. Hey, in our first session here, we just got done with a national conference in Louisville, Kentucky at the Seelbach Hotel, and we had an absolute party. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. The hotel is like probably the <laughs> swankiest thing I've ever been to in my life. I kept having to try to find you. You were down there in Al Capone's Oak Room. I know? was. I was like, Al, Jared, Jared, Al come Capone. on. The conference is starting, bro. <laughs> I did. My son was like, where's the trap door? Al Capone <laughs> played cards at the Seelbach, and then like when the police would come for him, he there was a secret passageway through a wall, down a stairwell, into like the tunnels underneath Louisville, where he used to run booze. Mm. I mean, this was nuts. We so, did actually have a Bible conference there. We too. did have a Bible conference, but I was distracted <laughs> by all the gold and murals and everything. Um, but hey, kind of recap it. What were yeah. some of the highlights? Well, the conference was on the gospel and justice. And so we're dealing with these broad issues under social justice. We talked a lot about because they're important and they are coming into the church. And we had uh, different guys, you know, you spoke and I spoke, Tom Nettle spoke, Josh Bice spoke, and uh, Tom Hicks, uh, Chad Vegas. We had other guys that were speaking about these particular issues. I mean, you dealt with creation and manhood and womanhood. And one of the, one of the most important things that you laid out that apply not just to manhood and womanhood, but certainly to that, is the fact this is God's world. Mm -hmm. I mean, God has created this world. It's his show. He has set up and ordered how things ought to be. And we just assume that today. We assume that we understand and know how things ought to be. And we forget that, hey, there's a creator who rules and overrules, and we're all obligated mm -hmm. to him, and he's spoken. So I thought what you did in laying that foundation about uh, creation and then dealing with it with manhood and womanhood specifically was really, really important, really helpful, very clear. That's a talk, by the way, that I would commend people to listen to, to, to get the framework, to get the foundation. I mean, the issue, manhood and womanhood, vitally important because that's at the heart of so much that's going on. But the foundation, we cannot assume. It has to be uncovered. It has to be clarified. It has to be asserted. And the Lord helped you to do that really well. Yeah, it was a really good time just with the guys that were there and uh, people that came. We had people coming from all over. We had a guy from Australia. Yeah, came just for the conference. guy from Canada. Had yeah. a number of uh, Southern Seminary profs show up and key leaders from uh, Southern Seminary. So we had a good time on that. The thing that seemed to crystallize for me is there's a number of a number of people that are are it, it's it's kind of beyond doubt now that there is a there is a great change in our culture, a right. great shift right. going on. And it seems to me a lot of guys are thinking, how do I live faithfully as a Christian? And if I'm in Christian leadership, how do I, if I'm a pastor or right. a teacher, how do I teach and preach now with this kind of thing that's happening? And that's really important because it, God has revealed truth to us, and then we're to take that truth and live by it. We're to take that truth and apply it to our lives and it seems those cultural applications, people are confused now. What do, what do we do when the world's doing this kind of thing? So right. going back to the created order, going back and understanding the implications of God's word for all of life, all of Christ, all of life, that kind of thing. Um, boy, it just seems people are so hungry for that. Yeah. And it seems that you know a lot of our confusion is about what is going on in the world, what kind of things are happening, then what's our Christian obligation to how, how we speak to those particular issues. You dealt with worldly philosophies from the book of Colossians. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I, I've listened to you preach a lot of good sermons. But I, that one was like over the top. Mm. I just loved it. So <laughs> I would I'd say you've got to go check out Tom. You were uncorked. Um, Tom Tom has a little uh, leg, 
leg shake that he does where everybody needs to know if it starts tapping you can't see it, but it just starts tapping and it was tapping from the first word came out of your mouth and i just knew it was gonna be good so i can't play poker unless i get a table that covers up my legs right that's right well that's right. uh yeah i talked to several pastors this is one of the interesting things during the conference and, and many of them said hey man we want to have conversations after this uh -huh. you know can we get together can we talk on the phone because of the very thing you're talking about, implications, application for ministry. How do we equip our church, our folks, to think about these things? Because right. we're dealing with them in the church, but it's it's because of what's going on in the culture. And sadly, as you and others pointed out in their talks, the, the culture has been discipling the church mm -hmm. on these issues in very subtle and yet very successful ways. And so church members in their places of business, their places of work, the, the, the arts that they are engaged in are being moved along this stream with a very strong current. Yeah, I see, I, see, I see three different routes, all of which are not the right route um, that people might take at a time like this. The first is some kind of like retreat into the walls of the church, retreat into your your commitment. So boy, things are crazy out there and we don't know yep. what to do. And right. I'm not going to speak to these issues. I'm not going to get all, people might say political or sociological. They think right. it's just that kind of thing. And really what they're doing is they're not applying the Bible. They're, yeah. they're not going into the city and preaching the truth of Christ. That's one, one danger. I think a lot of guys are going to do that. A lot of pastors are going to do that because if you start addressing it, it's going to get you in all kinds of trouble. Um, the other out is, is kind of just going out into the world and then just becoming worldly. So we're, we're in yeah. holding back the sharp edges of God's word. Um, I even heard recently, you know, we did the thing with women preaching and that got us in some trouble. And some people would argue, well, you know, that's not going to win people. That kind of standing, standing against basically kicking over the idols of the day is not going to, is not going to woo the world to Christ. So we have to soften those parts and then kind of find commonalities with the world. And that's really bad when the world's spinning out of control like it is now. Yeah. And the world's always been bad. Oh, that's true. But there are bubbles. And I mean, yeah. we are in a moment where we're going nuts. And the people that are going to try to have some kind of friendship with the world, um, they're going to be in, in great They're trouble. going to be played by the world, which is exactly what's happening. Yeah. Thir third route is being angry yeah. and going out there and just, you know, hollering, right. get off my lawn, you know, blah, 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 whatever that might be. Yeah. And just using the word of God like a club, which is a real danger. You go out there and you're not really, you don't really love people. You just like kind of doing that thing. So the beauty is, okay, we can't go backwards. We can't go in, in, into ourselves and retreat into this kind of commitment idea. We have to go forward with truth and love. Yeah. And that's a wild game to play right now yeah. because of how things are going. I, I think God helped us to do that in this yeah. conference. I think that's why people, man, the guys that were there were like, yes, yep. somebody's finally standing up in, you know, kind of this, the pastor's public theologian, someone's standing up, addressing the issues of the day, the idols of the day and bringing God's truth in a, in a winsome, gracious, confident way. So yeah. Yeah, and that's good, and that's what we've got to do. And founders have tried to do that throughout our history with all the issues we address. And fundamental to this as well is the fact that all of life is theological. Mm. We don't get a pass. Pastors are not free to pull the covers over our head and hope that it'll go away when we wake up or to just go out with flamethrowers and try to burn everything down. Mm -hmm. We have got to deal with what the Bible tells us. And if we do, for faithful to Scripture, we'll be able to discern what's going on in the world and we'll be able to address it in a redemptive way. Yep. 
Hey, if you joined us in Louisville, thanks so much for coming out. Man, it was a wonderful time. Made a lot of friends, a lot of connections. If you weren't able to get there, hey, there's another event in like That's three right. weeks. Sign up now. June 10. Come join us in Birmingham. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about The Law and the Gospel, brand new cover, brand new book, fresh off the press. It's actually an old book that we have redone, but look how smooth that thing is, man. This thing is available at founders.org. We're going to be talking about it when we come back. Man, that's a good-looking book. I like this book. Welcome back. Uh, We are going to talk about The Law and the Gospel by Ernie Reisinger. Uh, This is a book Founders Press has reprinted. It's due off of the press this week, actually. We're hoping to get them in uh, very soon, and we want to offer a pre-publication special on it. So if you go to founders.org, you can get in on that and uh, get this book at a deep discount while they are available in the pre-pub sale. (laughs) You remember the guy? From the conference, somebody on Twitter said, I'm I'm so susceptible to the phrase deep discount. We said that every time at the conference, and he just kept buying books. That's right. I and, love it. And we gave a 15-minute break and an additional 30% off, and he said those two things don't go together. They you don't, don't go together. We need more than 15 minutes. Well, Ernie Reisinger was uh, very much involved in the founding of Founders Ministry. Ministries. He was the one that actually got the guys together in 1982. Uh, God used Ernie in wonderful ways. He was converted while he was in the Navy. He'd been kind of a street fighter, a brawler. And he and his brother John uh, were converted to Christ. They started a, a business, uh, a building business, construction business. Pennsylvania became very large, very successful. And as he came to understand the doctrines of grace, he started ordering Banner of Truth books. And he ordered so many, they finally called him you know, from the UK. And they said, man, who are you? And you know, what are you doing? He said, well, I love these books. I'm, I'm sending them around. So he lived in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. So it was through all that connection that Banner actually opened their North American branch in Carlisle, Pennsylvania mm. because of Ernie. So he has been involved in this game for a long time. One of the key players in the Reformed Baptist movement in North America in the 20th century. And through God's providence, got involved with Southern Baptists. And so the Founders' ministries began largely through his influence. Well, Ernie taught me early in our relationship about the importance of long gospel. Nobody was talking about this whenever I first got to know Ernie back in the uh, 80s, you know, the mid-80s. He was, uh, or early 80s. Uh, and yet he just kept hammering me with it, giving me books on it and thinking through things. And so ultimately a lot of what I did in my dissertation at Southwestern grew out of some of those conversations. So Ernie wrote this book in 1996. It was published, I think, by PNR. And uh, he wanted to just lay it out, something that people had long forgotten, basically that the God who gave us the gospel also gave us the law. Mm-hmm. And God loves his law as much as he loves his gospel. And law and gospel are not enemies. They serve the same God and the same purposes of that God. So mm-hmm. we don't want to confuse them at all, but we want to make sure we understand the relationship and connections between them. And so this book does that in wonderful ways. I want to just read to you something that one of the guys that plugged it said, legalism and antinomianism are continual threats to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These threats have been around from the very beginning. They're pressing themselves upon the church today. If we would be faithful to Christ and his saving message, then we must understand the law and the gospel. What is the gospel? What law are Christians to obey? Why are we to obey it? How are we to obey it? This book helps answer these foundational questions of the Christian life. It's a valuable resource as believers seek to trust and obey the Lord Jesus. What do you think about that? Mm. 
Sounds pretty good. Smart man must have said that, right? That's <laughs> Jared's plug. Oh, for this sounds book. pretty good. Um, Tom Hicks dealt with this issue. Toss me that book because yeah. I'm going to read a little section out of it. Uh, Tom Hicks addressed yeah. this issue at the conference that we just had. Right. Uh, that video is available on our Facebook page right now and will be available on YouTube and other places very soon. But um, Hicks did a great job with it and showed how really misunderstanding of the law and the gospel um, are underneath a lot of the problems that were experiencing. So many errors, so many heresies historically have uh -huh. come out of that confusion. Right. And it seems to me, I think this is true. It seems to me that, that we, we talk a lot about preaching the gospel to the world and right, rightly so that's emphasizing scripture, but we, we have to also preach the law yeah. to the world. Um, that's evident in, in, um, our constitution here at Grace, we say that that we we are here to proclaim God's glorious gospel and His perfect law to the world, and people that's that would have landed really strange, you know, in just probably a decade ago. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's a, been a recovery of this maybe over the last two, three, four years, um, but that's that's important. That law is not only a rule for the Christian life; it is that third use of the law that Calvin talks about, but it's also to be heralded to the whole world. So using the law lawfully, um, Ernie has a part here on page 164 where he's talking about the right and wrong uses of the law. He says the law is used lawfully when it is used to inform all creatures, Christian and non-Christian, of the nature and will of God. The law stems from his nature, reflecting in its perfection, the perfection of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. If what we have right now is really a remaking of God in our mm -hmm. own image, kind of that uh, that Pauline thing in, in Romans one. If we, it's just we need a proclamation of the law to reveal the the uh, nature and the character of God. He goes on and says the law is used lawfully when it informs all creatures of their duty to God and man. You have a duty to God. And yeah. If you lose sense of that, you know, which I think so many in American society today have lost. They they have they have lost that they have a duty. To God, yeah. well, then what good is the gospel? I mean, I don't need. I, I haven't failed. I yeah. haven't transgressed. No I don't have any obligations to God. I've just been my obligations to whatever I, I want. So I think that this is a great resource to that. You know what we need to start doing? We need to start changing the conversation. And say, well, you know what? That's a law issue. Oh, you know, that's a law snap. issue. Everything today, in people's minds, is a gospel issue. No, that's a law issue. That's a law. That's issue. a law issue. You got a law giver, and you are supposed to be a law keeper. That's a law issue. Oh, there you go. We're going to incorporate that in our conversation from now. Yeah, yeah. that's that is um, that is very much a good application. Something for us to have to contemplate. Hey, we encourage you to grab this book, "The Law and the Gospel" by Ernie Riesinger, available founders.org at a deep discount. Get a deep discount while they're available. Okay. Hey, when we come back, we're going to continue our study through Scripture, considering the commands of God. Founders Ministries has been able to do what we've been doing for 35 years because people have joined with us and become part of our family. Today I'm inviting you to become a part of the Founders Fam as well. Become a Founders Alliance member. You can do this at different levels as you contribute to the work that Founders is engaged in. By going to founders.org you can see that you can give at the trowel level, you can give at the shield level, or you can give at the sword level. And if you give at any level we're going to send you a Founders package of materials. Materials. We have other exclusive material that we would make available to you as well as you contribute to help us build this ministry for the glory of God. 
Welcome back to the Sword and the Trowel. We found ourselves in segment three here, and we like to look at commands that God has given us in Scripture, that we might live by what God has revealed to us. And one of those commands is pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says uh, we are to pray. Uh, we're not only to pray, but we are to pray without ceasing. What do you think Paul intended when he said pray without ceasing? Well, I think what he meant was... Should that, we be praying right now? Yeah, without ceasing. Right now. Without stopping. Okay. And now. Okay. And tomorrow. And today. But we need to see this also in the context. So this is a it, it, this is one of a series of just kind of rapid fire commands uh -huh. that he gives. So in verse 15, he says, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. I mean, so that's a command. Rejoice always. We dealt with that previously. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So to see this command, pray without ceasing, is a uh, to see it in its context, Paul is telling us how we ought to think and live as Christians. I think in Romans 1, he, he talks about how he mentions the Roman Christians without ceasing. So that doesn't mean that Paul's walking around saying Roman Christians, Roman Christians, Roman Christians, but incessantly, repeatedly. And I think this is one application of this. So we ought to be people who are regularly going to the Lord in mm -hmm. prayer. I think another is don't stop praying. You know, don't, don't become so discouraged that you think, well, you know, prayer doesn't work or doesn't mean anything or I'm too discouraged. No, I mean, we're, prayer is like breathing for a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't say, I'm just going to quit breathing because, you know, I keep getting older and sick or whatever. No, you, we've got to pray. It's, our, it, it, it's uh, essential to our Christian lives. And then the fact that he says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. Okay, well, that tells us something about the nature of prayer too. I mean, what is prayer? Prayer is acknowledging we're not God. And we need God. Mm -hmm. And so we ought to live with that attitude, with that spirit. There should never be a moment in our lives where we let ourselves go thinking we don't need God. And we ought to be a people who see the world in such a way that we realize God's sovereign. He's ruling. So we can be thankful and we can pray and look yep. to him for what we need. And so that attitude and spirit, that, that uh, repetitive, incessant commitment to crying out to God, is something that is embedded, I think, in this command. Prayer, it, it, God's so kind to us in that it's practical. It's there. We're either doing it or we're not doing it. Yeah. And it's it's um, it's a gauge on how we're doing spiritually. So we can kind of fool ourselves sometimes yeah. and say, yeah, everything's good. I'm good. I'm good with God and I'm trusting the Lord and walking with the Lord. It's really, well, okay, so how are you praying? What's your prayer life? I think one of Martin Luther that walked up on people and said, do I find you praying, brother? And this came to light just recently, a wonderful sermon preached here by uh, one of our elders from the book of Hebrews on the certainty of God's promise, Hebrews 6. And it, he was saying, uh, God God doesn't want us to become sluggish. And so he, he, he guarantees his promise to us by swearing by himself. Mm. And he does this so that we would have great confidence in God's purposes and the hope that is set before us. And so we were talking about how do you know if your confidence in God and in his purposes and this hope that's set before us is, is running at a low ebb? How do you know if you're losing confidence? And one was, well, the sign of you're not praying yeah, not pray. as you yeah. are. It really is. So, so a, a, a lack of prayer um, is a fruit of unbelief. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, 
I'm really beginning to trust in myself, and that's evidenced by the fact that I'm not praying as I ought. I'm saying, God, for all of these things that I want to see you accomplish in the world, I want to see your kingdom come, I want to see your will be done, well, my goodness, we're going through all of this. Some guy that really might be laboring, toiling, doing all this kind of stuff, teaching and going out and working, exhorting other people. But the question is, are you praying? Yeah. Because, man, it's not going to happen without God. Who do we think we are? And you know, One of the things that this has convicted me through the years and again in recent months is corporately in the church. You know, how as a congregation we can think, well, I pray at home, I pray by myself or I pray with a friend or my wife or whatever. But as a church, we need to take these types of admonitions. And there are some that are given to us corporately. In fact, this is in the plural to pray with a sense of desperation. And so when we come together for our corporate prayer meeting, one of the things I, I desire for our congregation to do better is to come with that sense of complete, utter desperation in our need of God. Mm. And um, and, I, and I would encourage all churches. I mean, some churches have given up on corporate prayer meeting altogether. And I would say, man, it's worth fighting for. It's worth going through lean times in order to keep this before us and to keep call upon the congregation. Say, we need to remember yep. without God, we, without Christ, we can't do anything. Yep. Amen to that. Hey, we would love to fellowship with you at the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to have a booth there, so do stop by if you're coming. We'll have some free things to give you. Ooh, free things. But we would love to fellowship with you the day before the Southern Baptist Convention, Monday, June, June 10th. 10th. So uh, register for that. Come out. Join us. Uh, we would love to see you there.